So this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to um, look at three passages of scripture together, and then we are going to look at how to apply them. And you know what's amazing is we're going to look at um, a passage of scripture in, well, actually it has three parallels in the Gospels, and then we're going to look at a passage of scripture in the Old Testament. And this is what I want to encourage you today. The topic that we're discussing today is like an inexhaustible topic. So I just want to encourage you, we're just like scratching the surface today. I would encourage you take notes and then on your own time, study it more in depth because um, this is something we could discuss for weeks on end. Um, And the title of my message is Keep Your Lamps Burning. When I woke up New Year's Day, let's, let's let's just all identify, 2020 was, could be called the year marked with pain, right? Pain. Just pain. (laughs) Pain, pain, pain everywhere. And you know what's difficult is some of us feel like, oh, I endured that. Like I made it through to the other side. But we're going to look at three passages of scripture today that clearly we are instructed as believers to keep our lamps burning. And what we can see scripturally is that that command and that call does not come to us when all of the conditions are appropriate to us being a lamp that is burning. What we can find scripturally is that there's precedence for difficulty, hardship, tribulation, pain, trial, adversity, all of those things. And yet in the midst of it, we are called to keep our lamps burning. So many of us throughout this year have taken upon ourselves uh, the call or even a crusade for many different things. There's many different things that, and I'm going to say to you this morning, many of you have taken up different battles you, you've, uh, and I'll put this right on the forefront. This is kind of the climate of our culture right now. Hopefully I don't offend you. You got half the church that's in love with Donald Trump. You got half the church hates Donald Trump, right? So you have this big divide. There's vehement love <laughs> and vehement hate on both sides. Can I, can I present to you this morning, if the church over here that loves Donald Trump If they had half as much devotion to the man Christ Jesus, if they had half as much fire and fervency to preach the gospel, if they had half as much trust and confidence in the salvation of Jesus Christ, America and the earth would be forever changed. But I'd also like to present to you the other side that has vehement hate for him. If they had half as much vengeance for the true enemy of our soul. If they had half as much fury for what the devil has come to do to rob, kill, and destroy. And instead of being focused on the wrong enemy, if they were focused on our true enemy, the world would never be the same. And guess what? There would be a fire in the heart of the church to preach the gospel come on I hope today Hilltop Church I hope today you get delivered from the 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 gospel of politics I hope today you get delivered from cultural wars leave that to all of the people that that's what their full-time job is (laughs) it's all they do is research and I mean some of those people just to be educated and understand. I go to their pages and my mind spins. I just go, is this real? Is this really happening? Like, I don't even know where to look to know. (laughs) How do you figure that out? I want to say to you, Hilltop Church, 
time for us to put down every other campaign and crusade. And if you would make it your full-time job to keep your lamp burning, that is your calling, that is your mandate. That is what the church is called to do. And I'm gonna just say to you, it's fine if you don't wanna pick up that calling, but that is where I am going in 2021 and it's really all I care about. I woke up January 1st and I was like, here we go, another year, Lord. And I, I knew for sure, even before the events of this week, I knew for sure 2020, 2021 was not going to look improved. We're not gonna get like an upgraded version or like a redo. And so my question to the Lord was, here we go. We're gonna have more pain, more division, more struggle, more disappointment, more disillusionment. It, it is coming, because if you read your Bible, the last days are full of challenge. So I asked the Lord, I said, God, what's the answer for me? <laughs> All I asked, I didn't ask about you, I asked about me. <laughs> What's the answer for me? You know what God said to me? He said, you have need of fire. That's all he said. You have need of fire. He didn't tell me I had need of a degree. He didn't tell me I had need to buy land in Vermont <laughs> to secure for my family. I mean, I know a lot of us are looking at different solutions to secure our future. God, and I'm so sorry, I think I overstepped a speaker. That happens. Stay within the boundaries, Bethany. God's word to me was, you have need of fire. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. For those of you that may not be acquainted, <clears throat> I would encourage you to spend some good time in Matthew chapter 5. This is the constitution of the kingdom of God. If you want to know what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like, if you want to know what it's supposed to look like to be a disciple, here you have it right here. This is the Sermon on the Mount. This was Jesus' first teaching. This is his, his public display of his ministry, and this is what he opens with. This is what he says. If we pick up in... Those glaring lights are always hard for me. We know this. Verse 3. <clears throat> Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before we move on, let's just pause and just say, everything that Jesus says is blessed is what we as the world despise. We despise persecution and being misunderstood. We despise being poor in spirit. We despise being in the posture of hungering and thirsting. 
We love to look sufficient and filled and adequate in all of those things. Everything that Jesus puts on display. So I, I, first of all, I want to say to you, Hilltop Church, that in 2021, let's redefine what blessing looks like. Because if we think like blessing looks like prosperity and abundance, if, if you are defining pros, uh, blessing uh, uh, with anything other than how the word of God defines it, you'll be led astray. But instead, we need to begin to celebrate. What does a blessed life look like? A blessed life looks like those who mourn and they are comforted by the Almighty. A blessed life looks like those that are meek. A blessed life looks like hungering and thirsting after righteousness. A blessed life looks like being merciful and obtaining mercy yourself. A blessed life looks like a pure heart and being a peacemaker. A blessed life looks like being executed for righteousness sake. In verse 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this is Jesus. He's putting on display. He's basically saying, prepare yourself for persecution. He's saying, this is what it looks like to be a disciple. And then he goes right on. This is kind of a famous passage of scripture around here because we're called Hilltop. And it's actually after Matthew 5.14. Matthew 5.13 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled underfoot. You know what this is saying? It's saying that a disciple who does not live according to the principles of the kingdom is useless. A disciple who does not live according to the constitution of the kingdom is not a disciple. It's saying that in order to be effective and in order to be useful in the kingdom, that there's a certain way that we are called to live, and it's according to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hilltop cannot be hidden. This is what he's saying to the church. You're called to be light of the world. And this is beautiful imagery. I don't have time today because you could take a whole sermon just on Matthew 5, 14, where it says, you are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. The beautiful thing about one of these words, lights, literally means when it says light, uh, uh, for, it's literally to ignite a fire. Another word for, uh, here in the light means let your light shine, let it illuminate, let it bring light to the darkness. Let's just pause for a moment and think about this imagery of all to be the light of the world. Let's stop and think about this imagery of he's literally talking about a flame of fire that gets struck and it's on a lampstand. And then he goes on to say, you don't light a flame and then put it under a basket. Do you understand what that imagery is? It's basically saying you don't light a flame and then you hide it, which then it becomes extinguished. 
This is where he's saying that you are called to be a flame of fire. You are called to live and be the light of the world. And so he's saying your life is the calling to cultivate the fire of the Holy Spirit and burn brightly in this age. So what does this instruct us? It's instruct us that we have to be watchful, that the fire within us is not extinguished. Let's think about just the natural. Any of you guys over the summer have like a little fire pit and you start a fire in there? Sometimes fire does not start super easily. Does it? Sometimes you, I, I don't do the fires in our house. My husband does. Actually, when I even like, I'm trying to push him and get him to do them faster. Like I want it started now and he's doing other things. I do the, I'll just start it myself thing. And like, <laughs> not that I'm trying to be manipulative or anything. I'm just trying to push him. <laughs> I'll just start it myself. And you can hear him chuckle a little bit because he, he knows that at the end of the day, I'm going to attempt to start the fire. The fire is not going to start takes a lot of work, a lot of diligence, a lot of perseverance, a lot of continuation to get that thing going and then you stoke it. But can I ask you a question, friends? If you start a fire, does it just like eternally sustain? Like it's there in my fire pit and I'm just going to leave it and when I come back in the morning, it's still going to be burning? Or does fire need to be fed? Fire needs to be fed. And so I'm going to say this to you this morning. If you want to be a burning one, if you want to be a light in the midst of darkness, if you want to fulfill Matthew chapter 5, guess what? You better start feeding your fire. And feeding your fire doesn't only happen by showing up on Sunday morning. Part of it, it's like one of the components but feeding your fire, we actually find in, how many guys are familiar in Leviticus chapter six? This is such a consistent, it's such a consistent uh, command throughout the word of God. I'm going to actually just read it to you really quickly. Leviticus chapter six, um, verse 12. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning. It shall not be, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offering. The fire on the altar shall always be burning. It shall never go out. This was the command to the Levitical priests in the Old Testament. How many of you guys understand something? In the New Testament, we no longer have Levitical priests. You are the royal priesthood. So therefore, this is our, the command to all of us that the fire on the altar of our hearts should never go out. And the command was that every single morning they would come and put wood. What does that mean? It needs daily attendance. It needs to not be neglected. And most of us spent 2020 neglecting the fire of our Holy, the Holy Spirit within us because we were stoking another fire. Most of us, our lives, we spend burning for so many other things instead of burning for the presence and the truth and the person of the man Christ Jesus. Then we find in, in Luke chapter 12, as I said to you, this is a consistent theme all throughout the word. In Luke chapter 12, you find this command let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. He goes on, Jesus goes on to speak about the last days. And as he's speaking about it, he's speaking ultimately about the, the, the posture of being watchful in the last days. But his command is, 
that you would keep your lamps burning and your waist skirted. It's actually a parallel to the passage in Matthew chapter 25. How many of you guys are familiar with the five wise and the five foolish virgins, right? Do you guys understand like this is a consistent theme throughout the word of God. The five wise and the five foolish, they all come, all ten come with their lamps burning. They all come with their lamps burning. Five bring oil. Five do not. And then at midnight, when the bridegroom comes, five are found burning with their lamps with oil and five are not. Guess what? They were not faithful to steward the flame. They were not faithful to keep that lampstand burning. But this is where I want you to understand this imagery, even that we saw in Matthew chapter 5, is first Jesus is laying out, this is what it means to be a disciple. This is, you rejoice in persecution. He's laying out, it's hard, it's difficult, it's contrary to everything in this world. It is utterly other than everything that this world praises, everything this world esteems, everything this world says is right, is true is holy he's entirely other than so he lays out this kind of counter-cultural kingdom and then he goes on to say you are called to be salt and you are called to be light he doesn't say it's going to be difficult and i totally understand that you're just going to retreat in despair and you're going to give your life to netflix and binging food because it's just so sad so hard for you Instead, he says, in the midst of it, you're called to burn. That's your inheritance. That's your portion. That's your calling. There's provision for you. And as I said, 2020 is marked by pain. But this is what I want to challenge you, friends. Going into 2021, somehow we have to cut loose from the attachments of pain and despair. Some of you are kind of like, well, I survived, okay. Yeah, you've, you, you struggle with anxiety. You now have greater division in your relationships. You feel alienated. You actually feel like people are accusing you and you're accusing other people. Our whole culture has become explosive and toxic with accusation and suspicion and misunderstanding. That right there will extinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Living in unforgiveness, living in accusation, living in judgment of others. But instead, where we find this passage of let your lamps be burning and your, get, your waist girded, where we find this passage of the parallel of the five wise and the five foolish virgins just before that. And Matthew 24, I mean, Jesus is just laying this all out for us. And Matthew 24, just before he calls us to be a people that are burning and bright, he lays out for us again. And he says, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes of various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. That's just the beginning of sorrows. <laughs> then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. 
and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Wow, Jesus, thanks for the bright and hopeful future. <laughs> and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Do you see and understand how Jesus is laying out for us? This call to a burning life is not conditional to the circumstances in the world surrounding you and how prosperous it is. Isaiah chapter 60. See it again, Old Testament. Arise, shine. Some of you guys need this word spoken over you today. It's time to arise. Arise out of despair and defeat. Arise out of discouragement. Arise out of fear. Arise out of anxiety. Arise out of confusion. Arise out of these things. Arise, shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Here we go. Here's the kicker. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and a deep darkness all the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. In kings to the brightness of your shining. Do you hear the language over and over again that the church of Jesus Christ is marked by a burning, blazing lamp of fire that burns brightly in the midst of darkness? It's never promised that all the darkness around you will be dispelled. It's promised that the Lord will arise over you and kings will come to the brightness of your shining. Kings will come and Gentiles will seek the glory that rests upon your life. Much of the church in this hour, we do not have light and glory resting upon us. We've become a reflection and an image of the culture and the world that surrounds us. But this is what he has called us to. And if you're kind of questioning, like, what's this whole thing with light and burning and, you know, fire? And, like, why is she on this topic today? Can I, can I just challenge you today, first and foremost, that burning, shining lamp, a flame of fire, is actually who he is. He himself has eyes of fire. So here's our key ingredient. You become like who you spend time with. You begin to reflect the beliefs and the emotions and the perspectives. You begin to reflect that which is influencing your life. And so when it's the presence of God and the person of Jesus Christ that you've come under the influence of and you're spending your time with, you yourself become a burning one like him. We see that first and foremost in in Matthew chapter 3, you guys are familiar with John the Baptist. It was said of John the Baptist that he was a burning, blazing lamp and that we enjoyed his light for a time. He was, he was a light to those that around him, but John the Baptist, before he baptized Jesus, 
This is what he said. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly cleanse out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I'm going to read you guys a couple of passages of scripture here before we move into some application. Hebrews chapter 12, 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. He's defined as a consuming fire. Revelations 1, 13 through 16. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the che- his chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as the snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in all of its strength. He is the shining one. John 1, 4 through 5. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Habakkuk 3, 4. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand. And there is the hiding of his power. How much would it change our lives if we just took time in 2021 to meditate on the passages of scripture where he is revealed? That we could fall more in love with the beauty of the man Christ Jesus. So this is what it, this is the question that we have, right? If that, if all throughout the word of God, we are called to keep our lamps burning, we are called to be salt and light. The question then becomes, how on earth do we fulfill that? How do we become that, right? Some of you this morning are like, sounds good in theory, Bethany, but now I'm going back to my nine to five and I'm going back to all the cultural wars and I'm gonna pick up my, <laughs> pick up my laptop and go to war now. Here is, it's very simple, it's laid out. He's given us all of the tools and we're gonna walk through it today. First and foremost, we're called to walk in light and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. Let's, let's just begin there, 2021, okay? Let's start our year by renouncing the unfruitful works of darkness that we participate in. If you're questioning like, uh-huh, what's that? Um, let me just say it to you this way. A good way, you can read it all throughout scripture and you can actually go to Ephesians chapter five. It's like all laid out because it's right down to like, gossiping and slander, but fornication. I mean, it's all there. But do you want to know what I found most often with people? You really don't need someone else to tell you what your sins are. You don't. A good indication of the areas of sin in our life, this is a really good indication without anybody having to read a list for you, is that if a prophet were to stand up today and say, you know, God tells me your street numbers, your social security. I know all these things. Like God reveals them to me. Because let's be honest, prophets can hear from God. When you get called out, if the first thought in your mind is, oh 
gosh. They're going to tell the whole church I have a porn addiction. Oh, gosh. They're going to tell the whole church. Like, whatever that thing is in your life that you know God has his finger on, his hand on, and that he himself has been convicting you of, and instead of you coming to repentance and seeking healing and confession and all of those things, you just continue to conceal it and hide it and live with it and justify it, excuse it. Those are the unfruitful works of darkness in our life. Anything that you'd be afraid of somebody else calling out and exposing that's lingering there, for you it may be hatred. You're like, oh my gosh, I have a dark, dark soul and I hate all the peoples. And they're going to just tell them. Tell them I'm an angry girl. Whatever that may be that you know God has said, he is after those things. There are things, let's be honest, there are things that you're not super proud of. There are things that you're not putting on display and putting out there on Instagram and all the, the things. Those aren't what you're putting on display. Those are the things you're making sure stay really good and concealed and buttoned up and hoping that no one sees and knows about. They're not the things we're trumpeting. Guess what? Those are the things he's saying. Come out of those areas of darkness, of, of hiding and covering and lying. Come out of those areas and come into the light. So for some of you, you're like, great, I'd love to, but like I'm addicted. I'm addicted to prescription drugs. I'm a, I'd love to come into the light, but how do I get free? Guess what? We start with confession. We start by saying, I don't want an allegiance to this thing anymore. I don't want to live in agreement with this anymore. I'm willing to confess it. I'm willing to ask someone to help me. I'm no longer going to cover and hide it. That's what keeps it in darkness. He's saying, bring it into the light. How powerful if we start 2021 with repentance and cleansing ourselves of the unfruitful works of darkness. Ephesians 5, 6 through 14. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes against the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by, by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So number one, we're going to walk in the light. We're going to come out from the unfruitful works of darkness. Number two, this is what I want to say to you. This should be your primary calling of 2021, to attend to the presence of God and to make fellowship with him your primary calling. Come on, how many of us every single day, you know, most of us, it's like, I got to get to the gym. I got to eat right. I got to make my smoothie. For me, it's, I'm like doing pre-algebra with my sixth grader. You know, all of these things were like, I got to get it done. I'm waking up today and I'm going to, I'm going to slay that thing. <laughs> how many of you guys are waking up in the morning saying my primary calling today is to live and have fellowship in the presence of God. Some of you are like, I can barely like get it all done and eat three meals. How am I going to, I'm going to tell you how you're going to do that. Start this way. When I'm having a hard time getting my kid 
to do devotions with me in the morning when life is busy and chaotic and daddy's running out the door and people are calling and like work began before I said it could. Like, <laughs> like who said that could happen at 7 a.m.? No, thank you. Do you want to know something? You begin, by, I'm going to say this to you, friends. Let go of excuses and instead make this the battle of your life. Let go of all the other battles you're, you're fighting. And make this the battle of your life to prioritize the presence of God. Can I tell you, sometimes I start like moaning and complaining. I'm like, we didn't get to do devotions today. I'm not like raising my kid in the presence of God. I want my kid to know. You know, I get like grumpy. And then all of a sudden, as I'm making lunch, I'm like, oh, Bluetooth. Oh, yeah, I exalt thee. Stick that baby on. And even though all my successful plans for devos didn't happen, I see my kid in the living room singing, I exalt thee. It's bringing the presence of God in the midst of our circumstances. Some of us are so tired by the end of the night. And I feel you. Sometimes I get my kid to bed. After I clean the kitchen, I do all the things. I think, okay, the word. I should end my day with the word. And then I think, my eyes are so tired and my brain hurts. That if I even try to look at the words, I'm not even going to know what it said. Like, I'm not going to remember it. <laughs> like, it just, have you ever looked at a page and gone, oh, I'm going to read that again because I don't even know what it said. And then I read it again. And I said, like, you're so tired. Do you want to know what's amazing? Absolutely amazing. They have apps now <laughs> that read you the word. Like, like you just put on the app and you just sit and let it like wash over you. So most of us are like, and Daryl, my husband knows this. My like, uh, when I just want to daff out and not think and can't use my brain power or any of those things, I scroll Zillow. <laughs> I'm like an addictive Zillow, uh, you guys might not know Zillow, but like Realtor.com, like all of these. I'm like forever, and then sending him like $15 million properties in Cambridge for the house of prayer, like at 11 o'clock at night, I'm like scrolling. We all have our things that we kind of like daff ourselves out to. So can I encourage you to start new habits this year? Can I encourage you get a little Bible app on your phone and just be, when you're going to lay down at night, instead of scrolling through Zillow, like this and falling asleep to it, or instead of Netflix or whatever the heck it is you do, put on your little Bible app and let it wash over you. And some of you are kind of like, well, I never thought about that. And isn't that necessarily, I'm not like pursuing and it's not like a posture of prayer. Well, just at least start there. <laughs> like just start there. You know, I love my son, Abram one night. Uh, well, I was consistently doing it a couple of years ago. I would just, when he was going to go to sleep at night, just so that there was like worship music playing in our house. Just so that's what he was falling asleep to. And I'll never forget one night I'm putting him to bed and he goes, please, no. <laughs> that's what he said. And I thought, oh gosh, like, <laughs> this is terrifying. My son doesn't want worship music playing. I said, why did you say no? And he said, because it makes my heart burn for Jesus. And then it's hard to fall asleep. Do you know some of us, we're wondering why our heart is not burning for Jesus, but we do, we do absolutely nothing to cultivate that fire for more of him. So number two is to attend to the presence of God. Make fellowship with him your primary, your primary motivation and calling. Make it the priority of your life to seek him out in scripture and prayer. Uh, Luke 24, 32. This is where after Jesus ascended, so he was crucified and then he, he uh, was resurrected and he's walking with the disciples. And then th this is their testimony after he ascended. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? That because they were in the presence of Jesus, that their hearts were burning within them. 
If we want more of the fire of the Holy Spirit, we have to position ourselves and posture ourselves to be in the presence of Jesus. And this is what, through prayer, but also through the reading of the word, the simple word of God will ignite a fire within us. It was Jeremiah that testified, his word is like a fire that's shut up inside my bones, that his word was like a fire to him. Number three is posture yourself in fasting. None of us like this word. None of us like the word fasting, do we? We all kind of like go, oh, fasting. Can I encourage you to be, uh, what time is it, guys? My clock is, oh, we are over. <laughs> Can I encourage you guys to spend the beginning part of 2021 in the posture of fasting? Do you guys know the testimony of John the Baptist where it says that he was a burning, blazing lamp? John the Baptist, if you begin to study his life, he was an example of a fasted lifestyle. And all that means is that instead of feeding yourself with the pleasures of this world, that we abstain from those, from those things for the sake of feeding ourselves in the presence of God and growing the flame of God within us. And then lastly, that we would live a life of gazing upon the beauty of Jesus. Psalms 36, 7 through 9. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men have put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. that it's in his light that we see light, that we would live our lives gazing upon the beauty of Jesus. And some of you are kind of like, well, what does that mean, gazing upon the beauty of Jesus? Sometimes that's simply turning our gaze away from the things of this world, turning our gaze away from the news, turning our gaze away from all of the opinions, all of the crisis, all of the opinions that surround us. And guess what? Giving our attention to Jesus. And we do that by beholding him in the word and by, hold, by holding him in worship and in prayer. And so this is what I want us to do in closing out. I know this whole restart of our services is different because the closing out of services, we kind of can't do a lot of praying for one another and being close to one another, all of those things. But this is what I do want to do. I want us to close out with a time of prayer and our time of prayer of simply just bowing low before him. So for you, yeah, we're good. <clears throat> for you, if, if the carpet is more comfortable and you want to be spaced out up here, for you, if it's at your seat, just to bow low, this is what I want to encourage you. If you know that in 2020, you neglected keeping your lamp burning, it's something that became a, a lesser issue, not a priority. But you know in 2021, that you need to make this a priority, that your lamp is burning. If you want to make a commitment before God of saying, God, I'm going to prioritize your presence above all else. That we would look away from the dim things of this world, that we would no longer be defined by the circumstances that are surrounding us, but that there would be a higher truth, a higher reality, that there would be the authority of the word of God that is governing and dictating our lives and our emotions. That we would start 2021 by reprioritizing our lives and prioritizing them around the presence of God. 
So God, we come before you this morning. And God, we say that you and you alone are beautiful. You and you alone are holy. You and you alone are worthy of our attention and our devotion. And God, we confess before you this morning, Father, that many of us, Lord, we have burned for so many other things. There's so many other things, Lord, that we are passionate about. So many other things that ignite a fire within us. But yet, Lord, we are not burning, Lord, for you. And God, we see, Father, throughout your word, Lord, that you've called us to be salt and to be light. God, we see that you've called us, Lord, to have our light upon a lampstand, giving light to others. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us, God, for every place that we have neglected to cultivate the fire of your Holy Spirit within us. God, every place, Lord, we have made you second place or third place or fourth place that somehow you come lower on our list of priorities. But God, we say, Father, that with this upcoming year, God, that we want to reorientate our lives. God, we want to reorientate, Lord, our priorities. And God, we say, Father, that we want to daily look upon the shining one. Lord, the one that in your life we have light. And God, we want to fall more in love with you. Lord, we want to give our lives to cultivating and growing in greater passion and desire and devotion to you. And God, we do pray, Father, that for Hilltop Church, Lord, that we as a community, as a body, would be people, Father, that are orientated around the presence and the holiness and the truth and the power and the beauty of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.